Brothers and sisters, we unify together. We lift him up. And let us be broken vessels that say, God, you know what? You've pieced me together. Fill me up and use me. Use me to make an impact. So it's exciting. I, I love it because when you really get a hold of who God is, he, he, he just, he's just waiting for somebody just to be willing. It's not about like just thinking about like, well, will this add up, this add up? Can I do this and this first? Or do I have this together? We've said it so many times, it's almost like a broken record that he will qualify the unqualified. You just have to be willing. And God will start to unravel and unfold all these great things. So, Pastor Josh is not with us today. Um, him and his wife, they just celebrated another anniversary. So it's amazing. They're uh, out celebrating and we're, uh, we're excited about that. So we're thankful and hope they had a great weekend and um, being able to spend together. So we're thankful for them. And uh, I'm not Daniel. And so... I don't know how he does it. That wears me out up there. But we're thankful for him. Be praying for him and his knee. He's got some issues going on. And uh, just hope he's getting the rest and everything he needs to, to uh, sustain the journey. So I hope you're ready. Last week we were going to get into this, and um, God had other plans and if you missed it, it's on YouTube and stuff like that. God wrecked the place. It was, it was amazing. And I think that what we're about to talk about is it's a time message. It is timely. So I'm going to let my wife go ahead and start this off, and we're going to get into this. I hope you're ready with the Word, the Bible, whether it's paper or whether it glows. Um, get your Word out. <clears throat> get it ready. Uh, take notes. It, it, it just keeps you focused, and they'll probably ask for that in heaven when you get there for the notes. So, <laughs> But we love you guys, and I hope you're ready for what God has in store. We are going on a journey. We are taking the next step. We're just holding tight to the ship. We're going forward. So I have to give you just a little bit of a backstory to get into this today. Um, as we were setting, it was probably, well, well, it's been, what, three weeks ago or so, we had a staff meeting, and um, we were just really praying about the direction for this year and what God was asking. And um, last year, we spoke at the very beginning, you know, we're going to go pro, and then it became into the year of faith and how we talked about the mountains. And um, that was one of the main reasons that these mountains were built was to get into that season and we were really asking God what needed to be done, and we felt like he was telling us to continue the course that we were on, but there was one word that God gave us for this year that was major. It was a major word. It wasn't even like a normal word to even talk about like for us as in, you know, we're going, you know, this is the year to be restored or this is the year. No, God said to us that this was the year of his glory. And that word has been a key word across our hearts since that was spoken at that table. And we begin to speak out in faith through that, that God's glory was going to begin to be manifest through this earth, that we were going to begin to see his glory in the church and in his people, that it was going to begin to rise. 
And as we begin to talk about that, one of the things that stuck out to me, and I've thought about it, and it's stuck in my heart, and I've mentioned this to the two that are sitting here, and I even said this to Pastor Josh, is that I said, you know, I don't think, and not to burst anybody's bubble or anything, but I don't think 2021 is going to get better in the sense of a worldly manner. I don't see it getting better and increasingly just we're going to go back to normal. But what I see happening is the church becoming brighter and the glory of God being brighter and seen and more relevant to people than it ever has been before. Because no matter how dark it may get in the world, in the spirit, I believe that there's just this brightness and this light that's getting ready to rise in his people. And so I began to focus and study. And as I did that, I was looking in my Bible and I kept hearing God say, go to, go to um, Abraham. And I was like, Abraham? And he said, you need to read about Abraham. And I was like, okay, but where? You know, that's a big chunk of the beginning of the Bible and what you've got going. I mean, where are you going with this, God? Because I'm, I'm, I'm a little confused on what's happening. And he said, well, I want you to read about Isaac. And, and I said, okay. And I began to look in the front of my Bible. And when I opened, I opened to um, Genesis chapter 22. And when I opened there, to the very side of my Bible. And the reason I'm giving you this is because I want to show you how on time God is and how much we are really in his presence. And I think that if you guys could really get a glimpse of how much we are on and in sync with God of what he's doing, then you may get this, this ember that begins to burn even hotter in your life to want to really seek what he's doing. Because if you really take time to seek God, you'll hear him. If you really take time to want to be a part of his presence, you'll know where he's at. And this was on December 30th. I began to sit there and pray. This was on New Year's Eve. I sat in my house and I began to pray in the um, afternoon. This was early, actually in the morning before we did anything. This was before celebrations. Who cares about all that? We, I wanted to sit and hear what God had. And I opened my Bible and right beside the little footnote in chapter 22, I see mountains. And I look down, I've never seen this little symbol in my Bible before. So I open up and I go to look at the very front of what, what it's trying to say this symbol is meaning. And when I open up to look at it, it says, go back to chapter 15, faith begins here. That's what the mountain means. Faith begins here. It moves here. The faith that moves mountains begins right here. And I'm like, okay, God, I'm listening now. And so I want to read to you Genesis 15, verse 3 through 6. And it says, and Abram, because he wasn't Abraham yet at this moment. And Abram said, behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars. If you are able to number them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he, and he counted it to him as righteousness. So here we go. We start with the story that what happens is right at this, this is the beginning part of faith. Because right at that minute when God spoke to Abram, 
Faith resurrected in his heart to say, I'm going to look at these stars and know that I cannot count them. And so I'm counting on you for the promises that you've said to be fulfilled, that you're going to do it, God. And I'm going to be obedient to you. And God said, well, now you know that I gave the promise, but go to chapter 22. And I said, okay. And it says in verse 1, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, And he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering and on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled the donkey, and took took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the fire for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. And then Abraham said to the young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come to you again. And Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to the father, his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood But where is the lamb for a burnt offering, Abraham said. God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. And when they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by the horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Now, this is going to be a different twist on this story than what you've probably ever heard. Because the title of this message is Focus on the Mission. See, Abraham was charged with the mission to bless all families of the earth. This call, this mission and charge would be expressed in Jesus as the kingdom of God that reestablishes God's love and rule, his will and purpose on earth as it is in heaven. And God began to speak to me and he said, what's the mission? And I had to sit for a minute. And he said, your only mission on this earth is to bear witness to my glory and my name. Nothing else. And I begin to think of all the promises and all the things that I've held on to that God has given us over the years and things that maybe we haven't even seen come to fruition. And God began to speak. And he said, the promises of God will always be tested by the mission of God. The promises that he gives you will always be tested by the mission that he has for you. Your number one goal in this earth is to bear witness to his name and the glory of God. He will always see if the mission outweighs the promise. He will always test it. And God began.
going to say, if you want to see my glory, what's your mission? You have to focus on the mission. What do you want? Are you more focused on the promises that I've given you than you are the mission that I have for you? And I think some of us are so stuck. That's why we always look for the next year to be better is because we aren't looking at the glory of God. We're looking at the glory of man and what it can produce and what can happen. And I'm telling you, the only way that we're going to make it through these next four years that take place with the new presidency and different things is when you get your eyes off of man and you get your eyes on God. That's how it works. Are you obedient? Are you willing to be obedient to make the climb? To the direction of God in your life to see his glory revealed. Even the promises he gives are meant to give him glory. What's crazy is Abraham understood the purpose of his life was to live in obedience to God and make him known. And he didn't hesitate. He didn't hesitate. He didn't stop. And one thing God said is the reason Abraham didn't stop and that he was more concerned about my glory was because he understood the weight of the promise was never heavier than the weight of the glory. Do you hear that? The weight of the promise that you want to be fulfilled is never heavier than the weight of the glory of God that is to be on your life. Don't you think that that's what he means by when he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light? Because everything that God lays on your life is meant to be revealing to the glory of who he is, which means that that is nothing heavy except for the presence of God, which is heavy on our lives. When you know that you spend time with God in his glory and in his presence, that should be heavy on your life. And the one thing that should outweigh the weight of what you're thinking, well, God, you promised, well, God, you promised, well, God, you promised, well, God, you promised, should be God, your presence, God, your presence, God, your glory. That's what I seek. That's what I want. That's what I I desire. That's what I long for. When was the last time that you were ever so desperate that you wanted to see God so bad that you got up in the morning and you read your word and you went to bed at night and you read your word and you stopped in the middle of the day and you read your word because his glory was more than the presence. When was the last time that you stopped turning on the TV and you hit your knees before the presence of God? His presence is greater than any promise that you'll ever perceive. Who cares if you get the house that you want and the car that you want? You have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who sets up in your heart as the kingdom of heaven. It reigns. Are you going to be weighed down by your promises that you think need to happen? He said, if you just focus on my presence, you'd see your promises revealed. What consumes your life? What takes your time? What takes the moment away from you? What do you worry about anymore? I'm telling you, we are in a shift of time of times. And if we as the church don't get serious about the presence, what are you willing to do? Are you more concerned with the blessings that the covenant made with God brings, are you just aware of God of the covenant? Who he is, what he's chosen to make with you, 
what he stopped for you. When was the last time you were desperate for God that no matter what he asked you, it wasn't a question in your mind. You just did it. You just moved. And you wonder, even the promise, even Isaac knew his purpose. And when a promise is placed in proper position, then it can fill its, fulfill its purpose. When a promise is placed in proper position with God, it can fulfill its purpose. Isaac was never meant to be an idol to Abraham. Never. Never ever meant to be an idol. That's why God tested him. Because I'm sure that little boy was told, man, you were the promise. And you're going to do this. And you're going to do that. And you're going to do this. And he was probably told that his whole life. But what blesses me more than anything is Isaac, even he knew himself, that it wasn't a question to God if his promise, if his meaning in life was to be a sacrifice unto the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He never questioned it. Even at his young age. Because he knew his position was below the glory of God, never above it. Our job in life, what is your mission? What is your job? What is your goal? What is your purpose? Our purpose isn't just, my purpose isn't just to come here and lead here. My purpose is every day that I bear witness to who he is. Period. That's our job. That's the goal. And I'm telling you what, God is speaking to our hearts that it is time to focus on the mission. Focus on the purpose. His glory is going to be revealed this year, and it can be revealed through you. I believe it, and it's going to be revealed even more. This is just the start. This is just the beginning. But what you choose to do this year with your purpose, with what God has given you and the promises is going to make a difference in how his glory is revealed in your life. What do you bear witness to? So good. Abraham takes his son up the mountain. And I don't know if anybody was here when I preached that sermon. And I put my kid on the wood. I brought him out from the back. He had no idea what was going on. And, you know, preach, preaching that sermon and, and using your son and tying him up and laying him down, just to show an example from my own first, my, my, the, the name that will carry on the family name, Zionwood. And seeing, seeing him in a way of like not understanding, well, why are you doing this? Why is this going on? How many were here when I spoke, spoke this sermon? See, it was a good sermon on it. It was real good until CPS came to my house. <laughs> you laugh, but it happened. They took my kids to the office, and the cops came. Because there's always opposition. Even when you're trying to give an example, and you would never harm your child. Saying, do your parents touch you, or do you have bruises all over you? Pulling their pants down to see if they're okay. So you preach that sermon and God tells you to do something and then the enemy wants to come in like a flood and destroy you because it's like, what? And for weeks, you all had no idea. I had to worship my way through it. No idea that somebody's at the door and at the school and they're, they're pulling them out of class and making sure and coming to my house and the cops come. 
And the reason I'm saying this to you is because, listen, no matter what, you, when you're obedient to God, there's going to be opposition. I love my kids with all my heart. Never done anything to them. But the enemy wants to come in like a flood and say something stupid and do something dumb. And we had videos of it and everything. But when you, when you have this position where you're trying to be obedient, all the devil wants to do is try to destroy obedience. He wants you to change your mind on it. He wants to take your focus off of it. He wants to destroy you. I mean, in, in, in a personal way, that was crazy because it was trying to destroy me personally. And nobody knew. I didn't tell anybody. And what's the greatest part was it was somebody in this room at the time trying to destroy my character, the church. I mean, hear that on the news. That's fun. But I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't shift from it. I knew what God told me to do. Abram couldn't shift from it. He knew what God told him to do, even if it didn't make sense. And one of the, the, the greatest scriptures that I love in this, but Isaac spoke to Abram, to his father. My father, he said, here I am, son. He said, look, the fire, the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Where's the lamb? And the, the father said, God will provide. The greatest part of this scripture is that when you as a parent start teaching your children the ways of the Lord, they're going to keep you accountable to it. Well, hold up, Dad. You got the wood, you got the fire, but where's the offering? Because this is what we do. We worship the Lord, but you, you're missing an element. If I can encourage you in this 2021 with your family, teach them the ways of the Lord. And look, things have changed. Wait, Dad, why are you cussing? You don't, I thought you said you was a Christian. You start holding yourself accountable, and your children will hold you accountable. Let's be real about it. When you do stuff, and you're like, well, you say you're a Christian. Well, why are you doing that? Is that okay to do that? When you start teaching them the ways of the Lord, they're going to be accountable to you, and they're going to speak up and say, well, hold on. You got the fire. You got the wood. But where's the offering? And here's what's crazy. And if there's any kids here that can be aware of this, the dad said the Lord will provide. End of statement. End of story. Did the kid argue back? Did the kid talking, start talking crazy and saying stuff? No. Oh, you're missing it, Dad. You're just gonna, we're just going to waste time just be walking up this mountain. You're, you're, you're really, you, you really messed it up now, Dad. We're doing too far now. We're, we're in the heck. Where are we going to go find something? But what the kid did was he stopped immediately and followed the father. Okay. Okay. And, and what I love is, is that no matter what, the outcome is that that God's going to provide the moment he was taking his son up there and this is way before 
this is way before um, or even after that that the Lord told him that your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars. And you got your firstborn, and he's like, you need to take him up there. But then there was a lamb stuck. And I, I just want you to realize something this year. If you pay enough attention, if you listen close, there's a lamb stuck on your behalf. There, there's something in the works on your behalf. And here's the crazy part. It said that, that he provided a sacrifice. So Abraham, Abraham built an altar and named it this place Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord provides. See, you need to start when, when God's providing and, and those fragments and all those things that's going on in your life, remember them. Build altars on your heart to, to remember that the Lord provides. Sometimes we forget that he provided. You might have been at the train stop and it's frustrating, but it might have just prevented you from getting in that wreck that just happened over past the train. You see what I mean? He provides. He provides. The Lord provides. We have to. Just like she said, focus on the mission to bear witness to who he is and for his namesake. We have to. You all right? <laughs> we have to because Abraham Abraham could have went a different direction and said, you know, God, I can't do that. If God tells you to do something, you have to do it. And, and this word that keeps sticking in my mind, and I told Jen about it last week, that hindsight is twenty twenty. But think about this. We look at it negative a lot. And, and I wrote this down that it, it means it's, uh, it's easy to understand something after it's already happened. Yeah. Hindsight is twenty twenty. And some people would use it as in like, man, if I would have known this was going to happen, I wouldn't have quit this job. Hindsight is twenty twenty. But think about it in your life with, with the way you, you have done life. Looking back. At, at something, looking back at 2020. And hindsight is 2020, didn't realize that because we said we were willing, that God was going to continue to provide and things were going to continue to shift and, and his presence were going to be known and, and the local church was going to keep being a light in the community. If hindsight's 2020, then we have to take that time and look at it, look at it for ourselves personally. Look at it and say, you know what? I, I have to take a deep look at this. Look at yourself and say, you know, like for us as the church, we have to look at it and say, God, I didn't even realize what you were doing when you provided this, this, and this, and this. The whole time. You can get her if you want. It's okay. I ain't afraid of her. There's, unless she's Matilda. You're going to do something weird. You can get her. She's fine. I'm just glad she's here. <laughs> she's like, what's going on here? Um, but when you look at hindsight being 2020, not negative, but in a positive way, 
What, what was the lamb in 2020? What was stuck for you that was provided for you in 2020? When you take a deep look back, what, what was it? What, what was that lamb that you heard and, and that provided? What was it? Because the Lord, he provides. And the biggest thing I can say for this whole, whole thing that's mind-blowing to me is if you're willing, I'm telling you, he will do it. I don't know if you realize it, but God has done something amazing here at this church. And it's just not the building. It's the people in the building. We are the church. So don't be afraid to ask God. Don't be afraid to call on his name. Don't be afraid to be obedient. Who cares what people think? Who cares if you think you got the right words or not to say what you need to say to somebody and, and help them? Who cares? If God is telling you to do something, be obedient. Watch what he does. He's wanting to make families whole. He's wanting to strengthen the individual. This is the year. This year, this is it. Focus on the mission. What's the mission? Focus on him. Don't focus on the other stuff. Because sometimes they're temporary, and when those temporary things happen, they're gone, and then guess what? We, we find ourselves doing something else. And for today's society, let's just be real about it, there are a lot of people trendy. There'll be, there be people that'll march around and, and, and hold a sign and not even realize what the heck they're doing. Just because it's, it's a hype moment and people are involved, I'm going to jump involved in this. Like there's a lot of trendy things and they feel like they have a mission and they're focused, and, it, and it's not even a mission. Like, no, you, weren't you at that other deal? And weren't you at that other? That's why when we see on the news and stuff, like people are pointing at people like, weren't you at this one? Weren't you at that? That don't make sense. Because so many people are just trendy and like to just jump in a moment. Instead of having a real focus on the mission. Because when you focus on the mission, you do it the right way. When you focus on the mission and you protect God, man, I'm telling you, he will open, it says that he will open it up. He even tells you to test him. Now, I don't know about you. Like, you don't, you're like, I don't want to test God. But he tells you in this moment, test me and see if I don't do it. See if I won't open up the floodgates for you. Because you can't outgive God. And it has nothing in this matter right here. We ain't talking about money. We're talking about the vessel. The thing he created and wants to live in you so you can be obedient and shine. Go ahead, Mom. I was just thinking that Abraham was a father before he was a father. Abram means the father of elevation. Abram, before even it was ever Abraham. You know, sometimes I think he wants to change our name. You know, I think he wants to take us to a place to you know, from Jacob to Israel. And there's a lot of things that you, you go through and a lot of things that God wants to take your past from you. But I was, before he became a father, God told him to go on a mission and leave his home. That wouldn't be easy to say, okay, now I need you to leave your home. But where am I going? Now I need you to follow me. You ever felt like that you have to leave a place 
And he said, no, I need you to go here. And you don't even understand sometimes, even, even some of you that have come here that I know, that have come here and said, mm, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be here. I, I, God really put it on my heart. And I've had some that say, I just drove by and I, I felt like I needed to come. And some of them are online right now. They're online. And some of them say, you know, I really feel like that I need to be here. I'm not sure why. And I'm not sure if I'm fitting in yet. But Abram obeyed God. He left the burial of the place of his father. He left his brother and a family behind. He left all that was familiar behind. He left all that was familiar behind. He severed all of his ties of the past. This is Abraham. You want to go on a mission? Then you need to start separating yourself from some things. And I'm not saying, oh, I'm going to leave my brother. And I'm he said, let the dead be dead and follow me. That's tough. There were tough words. What do you mean? Wait, but I got to go bury my, my father first. And Jesus said, deny yourself. Huh? Everything's about self right now. Everything in the world is also, there's civil wars going on. The enemy don't even have to fight. He's just sitting back watching everybody else fight each other. And it's self-righteousness. It's self-pride. He said, deny yourself and follow, take up your cross and follow me. He was called to accept the impossible. To take this mission. When he didn't even know exactly what was even going to happen. See, this is faith. It's the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Evidence of things not seen. Some of you have to think that you have to have a substance to, to take a mission. When in reality, he wants you to go by faith and not by sight. But see, the world's always saying that you have to have substance. You have to have something in front of you. You have to touch that. That's how your faith is. That's not faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I don't know about you, but anymore you don't see faith like, it, like we should. I want to read this scripture. Galatians 3, 6, 18, and 19. Listen to this. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say into his seeds, meaning many people. But at to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. For in the inheritance depends on the law that is no longer depends on the promise. I'm going to say it again. For if the inheritance depends on the law then it no longer depends on the promise. Uh, some of you are in a law of so much structure that you can't even depend on a promise, let alone the glory. Because you, you've had so much law in your mind of this is how this is supposed to be and this is how this is supposed to be and this is how I learned this. Abraham literally separated himself from past. He severed things and he said, I'm going to follow God. But God in his grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. Verse 19. And then was the law given at all? 
It was called because transgressions and to the seed to whom promise referred had come. We were waiting on the true promise. We were waiting on the seed. See, Abraham took Isaac and that was the seed. But there was a ram caught in the thicket. The first time it was called Jehovah Jireh. I don't know about you, but Jireh, I like Jehovah Jireh. He was called Jehovah Jireh. He's my provider. I'm not talking about a car. I'm not talking about a house. I'm talking about right here. He provides right here inside of me. If the other, if I have the other rest of the things, I'm good. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. The law was given through the angels. Watch this. Why then was the law given at all? It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. The seed was Jesus Christ. The representation of that altar with Isaac was where the cross was. Oh, my God. Where the seed really was going to be in the cross of Jesus Christ. That's just transgressions. That was the promise. And when the promise died and rose again, it became the glory of the Lord. It was the same exact place where he put the altar is where he put the cross. He went up on that hill, and even though he didn't even know what that providing was, but you know what's awesome is Abraham was already trained to do the things he needed to do before he got his son. He was already a father before he became a father. And some of you were fatherless. And that's why lawlessness is all over the world right now, because they don't know the transgressor. They don't know the seed of the promise. So they run around lawlessness because they're fatherless. Some of you are fatherless. And some of you walk with law. And you don't rely on the the seed of Jesus Christ. And I just told somebody earlier today, actually I told two earlier today before the service ever started. When Pop was fatherless, and I remember the time that he came to me and he goes, I don't know how to pray to the Father. I don't even know what to say to him because I've always beat. I was always pushed down. I was always had to sleep in the bushes. I had guns to my head. I don't know how to talk to the Father. I said, he's so simple. And you can go to him and he'll love you like an everlasting love. So he became a father before he could ever meet his father. Abraham became a father before he was ever a father to Isaac. Because God taught him how to take everything and let go of everything and follow him no matter what. I think that's what 2020 begin to teach us is about letting go of all the things that we've ever known and what we ever thought of. And 2020 was a year that taught us to walk in faith in order to carry the glory in 2021. If you don't walk in faith, see, it says faith was necessary to receive the covenant. But God also required obedience for the covenant blessings to continue. God commanded Abraham to be blameless. 
That is to say, if his faith was not expressed by his obedience, God could no longer consider him the man he could use to fulfill his eternal purposes for humankind. Disobedience would disqualify Abraham. See, our job, again, is to bear witness to the glory of God. And he tells us when the first church is ever birthed out of Pentecost that takes place and happens, he tells them, now go and be my witnesses into all the earth. Be my witnesses. But what are you being a witness of? And that's the point of why Abraham was allowed to do what he did was because he had faith that represented to go into be able to be that father to represent the glory of God because Abraham knew it wasn't about him. The problem that I think we have is we don't realize that it's not about us. It's not about us. It's not about what you want in the end and what you desire and how you think things should go. It's not about that. If you really want to know how things are going to go, why don't you just get in your word and read a little bit further and understand what's going to take place and what's going to happen and where we are. Then you'll be able to walk in faith because you'll trust in the one that you are responsible to and that you respond to. But I think there was, there, there was two morning stars. Yeah. Satan was a morning star called Lucifer. And Jesus is the morning star. Who are you following? What are you obeying? You know what's funny? Is that star fell from heaven like lightning. And it, it, it's called an antichrist. And it antis Christ. It brings a false image. It brings a false idol. And what you follow and who you are. Isn't it funny how you can look in the mirror and you know you got junk going on. Ain't nobody in the mirror by you, with you when you just got out of the shower and you're standing there naked. And you can see all of who you are. Scary. Anyway. But what I'm trying to say is what kind of reflection do you really have? You know. You know when you get in the mirror. You know when you can look in your eyes. And you know when you lay down at, bed, at your bedtime and it's real dark and nobody else is there. And you're pondering in your mind. You know what you're reflecting. Are you reflecting? What morning star are you reflecting? Are you reflecting the thing that fell from heaven and it's the prince of the air? There's still the prince of the air. And then there's the king of kings, the prince of peace. But you got to know what you're following because what you reflect, I want to reflect the glory. But you can see all over the world what's being reflected. I want to read this real quick. I don't even think I gave you this, Christy. But it's Isaiah 66. Uh, it starts with verse 18. And I'm going to read this in the message. And I'm telling you, this jumped clear out at me. I know everything they've ever done or thought. Ouch. I'm going to come and then gather everyone, all nations, all languages. They'll come and see my glory. My God. 
I'll set, I'll set up a station at the center. I'll send a remnant of judgment all over the world in Spain and Africa, Turkey, Greece, and the far islands that have never heard me. You'll know, they'll, they'll know nothing of what I've done nor who I am. I'm sending ones out. I'll send them out as missionaries to preach my glory among the nations. They'll return with all their lost long brothers. Ooh, I don't know about you, but this gets me. They'll return with all their lost long brothers and sisters from all over the world. This is called harvest. They'll bring back and offer them in living worship to God. They'll bring them on horses and wagons and carts and mules and camels straight to the holy mountain for Jerusalem, says God. He said he's going to set up a center, a station at the center for his glory. All, all tongue and nations will come. All brothers and sisters, all will come back and they will see, they won't be able to deny, Brandon, the glory of God. We're either going to be in the glory or we're not going to be. And we're coming to that place. That's the turn that's happening right now. That's like you said about changing the name. Changing your name and in the end it's people that can't deny the glory of God that's on you. We're not saying you have to literally change your name. But there's some people that remember you as Jeremy from the past. Brandon from the past. They look, they used to look at you and like, oh, you were that person, that person that was acting a fool or blah, 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 whatever, whatever you, you have done. But when the glory of God shines on you and it resonates, they can't deny it. Something's changed. Your name has changed because your name has purpose. That's right. Before, what were we just lost? What, what Jesus say? They're like sheep without a shepherd. And so your name might have been something in the past that represented something that wasn't probably good. Maybe how you responded, maybe full of anxiety, maybe you're Debbie Downer, maybe you're, you know what I mean? Like always something, maybe you represent something else. Like, oh, every time, like we, and it's so funny because we know people that if we say something to somebody, it's just going to get out. Somebody going to say something else and there's gossip. Oh, yep, that one's a gossiper and that one's this or you know, and, and what's funny is, like, I, I've, I've said this to a few people, like, my sisters, the two younger ones, Mackenzie and Brianna, didn't know my mom and dad the way I knew my mom and dad. Careful. Because their name change is different. Because of the way I knew my mom and dad, they were the ones drunk, passed out while I did whatever I wanted. They were the ones snorting cocaine while I looked at the glass round, at the round table with those nasty green chairs you had. Remember those? Yeah. But they were those people that had bags of pot and kegs and doing, I watched and I seen all that. That was who I knew. And then I was there when transformation happened too. But the mom and dad that my sisters have seen were mom and dads at church. Mom and dads serving God. Mom and dads having a heart for God's house. Mom and dad's passionate about who God is and his people. And see, the name change 
happen. And I, and I think that's when the glory of God and you finally understand who he is and, and we get outside of this self-righteous thing. Are we, are, we, are we try to live our Christian life like we want the government? When we get stimulized, when am I going to help me? When are they going to do this to me? And we want God to respond that way too. When are you going to do this? When are you going to serve me? When are you going to, when are you going to bless me with that? When are you going to do this? And we want him like, are you, you doing that yet? You get my Obama phone, God, yet? You get my, you know. But we treat God like the, the system. We treat God like the system, though. Yeah, and, and so we get familiar with it, so our Christian walk becomes it. And, and, and yeah, we laugh and stuff about it, but we do that with sin, too. We treat sin like it's the justice system. It's a misdemeanor, and it's this. Sin is sin no matter what it is. We say we love, we love our neighbor, but we hate gay people. Oh, uh-oh, just got real, real fast. You see what I'm saying? We got to love everybody. Why, why do we try to justify stuff? Because when the glory finally... In, wraps around your life and you finally know who God is and you walk in that you focus on the mission you focus on the mission but when you're when the glory comes it, there's a blessing or a curse on it yeah because if you're if you're in the obedience of God and the glory comes it becomes a blessing if if you're not in that obedience it's going to become a judgment. Yeah. I mean, that's what the Word of God says. And, you know, I think there's a hurry to some things with, with people that are, have familiarity with things and they're doing things that need to separate themselves. I think that God's going to separate the wheat from the chaff. This is something that we were praying in the prayer room this morning. He's going to separate. And he's, we're in a place of... I, I mean, start with me. I, I mean, I've been saying, God, separate me from things that, you know how little things irritate. And that gets on your, and yeah. you say, Jesus, you better help me. And I'll go back over to the dishes, start doing the dishes, you know. And then all of a sudden, something else irritates you. And then I'm like, okay, well, this is about me. Yeah, because in the end, you got to look at yourself and say, why am I so easily irritated? Yeah. Why am I so easily bothered by something? Yeah. Why do I snap off so easily? Well, I was reminded of this scripture and I just turned to it, but 2 Timothy chapter 3. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of oneself, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. And I think that's where we are and what God is trying to say to us is that if you focus on the mission and I looked up the word mission, and the reason that I'm hitting on this scripture right here is because the word mission, if you look it up, it says a specific task with which one person or group is charged. But in the definition of mission in Webster's Dictionary, it says this, the vocation or calling of a religious organization, 
especially a Christian one, to go out into the world and spread its faith. That is a definition in Webster's Dictionary for mission. See, God created the greatest mission of all. When he came to the earth and he died for you and he laid out his life for you, that was his mission. You were his mission. And in exchange, all he asks is that we bear witness to the glory of his name. And I believe that God is truly trying to separate the ones of us who have a form of godliness but deny his power. You can know all the scriptures. Satan knows all the scriptures. You can know how to worship. Satan was the best worshiper. You can know how to do all these kind of things and get your way around and know who God is and speak every single one of his names. But if you don't have him in your heart and know that he is the one who rules, then you have no accessibility to his power. And his power is the saving grace and the mercy and the love that separates you so that you can come into his presence and stand in the holy of holies and know that you don't have to worry about anything else about what anybody says or does. That you can come in before the throne room of God and stand in there and represent the glory in your life, what he wants to do. This isn't about you anymore. We have to get the focus off of ourselves. We've been self-focused way too long. It's time to focus on the mission that God has given you. I think he wants us to be intentional. I think that he wants us to be intentional about bearing witness. Well, I think God is so intentional that he spoke something to us at the beginning of 2021. Yeah. And he started with a scripture that he gave Pastor Brandon. But I want to go back and read the beginning of this because I want to show you how intentional God is and how much he means business. Six days later, three of them saw that glory. See, you, you don't know the whole, the whole context of that scripture until you go back and read it. This is in Matthew. This is in Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 20. It says, six days later, three of them saw that glory. Jesus took Peter and the brothers James and John and led them up on a high mountain. His appearance changed from the inside out right before their eyes, and sunlight poured from his face. His clothes were filled with light, and then they realized that Moses and Elijah were there also, deep in conversation with him. And Peter broke in, Master, this is a great moment. What would you think if I built three memorials here on this mountain? One for you, one for Moses. And one for Elijah. Isn't it funny that when we get into things, we say some really dumb crap? Can't you just, can't you just enjoy the moment of Try, like... Trying to make it over-spiritual. Yeah, I don't even know. If, 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 I, if I saw all that right now, I'd probably be like, uh, 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 uh. And on my face, God, God wasn't saying it. Can't you just enjoy the presence? And so what happens? What, what was built was because Abraham wanted to build an offering from when the lamb was stuck that provided. Yeah. yeah. There was nothing provided. They were just having a conversation. You don't have to build a shrine because somebody appeared. So listen, it says, while he was going on like this, babbling, a light radiant cloud enveloped them and sounding from deep in the cloud voice, this is my son, marked by my love, focus of my delight. Listen to him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell flat on their faces, scared to death. 
But Jesus came over and touched them. Don't be afraid. And when they opened their eyes and looked around and they saw, and all they saw was Jesus, only Jesus coming down the mountain, Jesus swore them to secrecy. Don't breathe a word of what you've seen. After the Son of Man is raised from the dead, you are free to talk. The disciples, meanwhile, were asking questions. Why do the religion scholars say that Elijah has come first? And Jesus answered, Elijah does come and get everything ready. I'm telling you, Elijah has already come, but they didn't know him when they saw him. They treated him like dirt, and the same way they are about to treat the Son of Man. That's when the disciples realized that all along he had been talking about John the baptizer. And at the bottom of the mountain, they were met by a crowd of waiting people and as they approached a man coming out of the crowd and fell to his knees begging master have mercy on my son he goes out of his mind and suffers terribly falling into seizures frequently he is pitched into the fire over times into the river i brought him to your disciples but they could do nothing for him and jesus said what a generation no sense of god and no focus to your lives How many times do I have to go over these things? How much longer do I have to put up with this? Bring the boy here, he ordered. The afflicting demon out, and it was out, gone. From that moment on, the boy was well. And when the disciples had Jesus off to themselves, they asked, why couldn't we throw it out? And he said, because you're not yet taking God seriously. The simple truth, this is where we began last year. The simple truth is if you had a mere kernel of faith, a poppy seed, say you would tell to this mountain, move, and it would move, and there is nothing that you wouldn't be able to tackle. Go on. I never realized this was the same story until I went on and God showed it. Second Peter 1, 16 through 21 says, we weren't, you know, just wishing on a star. When we laid the facts out about you regarding the powerful return of the Master Jesus Christ, we were there before the preview. We saw it with our own eyes. Jesus resplendent with light from God the Father and as the voice of majesty, glory spoke. This is my son marked by my love, focus of all delight. We were there on the holy mountain with him. We heard the voice out of heaven with our very own ears and we couldn't be more sure of what we saw and heard. God's glory, God's voice. The prophetic word was confirmed to us. You'll do well to keep focusing on it. It's the one light you have in a dark time as you wait for daybreak and the rising of the morning star in your hearts. The main thing to keep in mind here is that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of private opinion. And why? Because it's not something concocted in the human heart. Prophecy resulted when the Holy Spirit prompted men and women to speak God's word. Listen to me, we started the beginning of last year at the ending of this when he was talking about faith and the mountain and moving the mountains and the faith of the master seed and we ended this last year speaking on the morning star and the glory of God that rose around, not understanding that this two passages were the same in one, speaking of one event that eventually they began to open their mouths and all they could speak about was the light and the glory of God. God prepared us last year in 2020 to begin to walk in faith so that we could at the end of the year see the bright and morning star the glory of the Lord that would begin to come and fall and as you bear witness to it it is time in 2021 that you open your mouths and you bear witness in your life in the flesh in the very moment of who you are of the glory of God Quit questioning. Quit being concerned of what's this, what's that, where's this going. Know who he is. Know the light that he is. Know what he's brought to your life and dwell in that. 
It's the presence. It's the glory. He didn't just set it up and align the stars so that we'd see the morning star again, the star that shone in the sky right before the new year that took place. God was setting a warning sign to tell you my glory is coming and it's going to be the brightest light that you're ever going to see and my church has time that they should be able to rise and begin to come up and see my glory and be revealed in them. I'm going to ask you, is God telling you right now, you're not taking me seriously yet? They asked him, why couldn't we do these things? And God had to tell them, you're not taking me seriously yet. And I don't think, I don't think we're going to get many more moments for God to warn us, you're not taking me seriously. It's either you do it and you do it for his glory or you do it for yourself. Period. He's the bright and morning star. He's the one who's the lightest light in the darkest time. Light only gets brighter in the darkness. You want God to move in your life this year? Let his light become the brightness of who you are. Let it shine in you. Let it overtake you. Let it overwhelm you. Challenge yourself. I think we've set in this moment of lackadaisical and laziness for too long and we want to be served everything in our lives we want to easy come easy go but this isn't how it goes this is the time to fight for what's right for what's right by God not not having your voice heard so much just like was done at the Capitol the other day that showed nothing of godliness God's wanting us to stand up for the righteousness of who he is. Not so your voice could be heard, but so his voice could be heard. Stand with me today. It's time to to set all things aside. If you know you have things in your heart and in your life that God is asking you that you know to be separated from and you have hesitated and hesitated and hesitated and hesitated, now's your time. Don't walk out of here the same. Well, like he said, it's time to take him serious. Taking him serious for what? Face value. And you want 2021 to be your best year? It will be your best year if it's your best year spiritually. Well, let me, I wasn't going to share this story, but I need to because it hit me last night when it happened. So Zion, after all that happened last year, when all that happened and they targeted my son and all that took place, that was probably one of the hardest times as a mother when your credibility towards your child is being questioned and then they have to look at you and question and you know you've done nothing. And all of a sudden, just the last three days, see Zion, he's very sensitive to things like He can hear certain things or see certain things and he gets bad dreams and we try to very much so keep things. If we see commercials, we'll click it real quick because I don't want that in his spirit. But the one thing God told me is he said, grab a devotional. He said, get up on your phone. There's a children's devotional there. I begin to look it up and it was speaking about fear. And every night we've been doing this devotional together. And last night, in the last several nights, he has slept perfectly. For nights on nights, in the last probably month, he has been getting up. Mommy, I'm having a nightmare. I'm having a nightmare. 
And so what I did was we began to read this and he slept really well the first two nights. And last night I put him in bed and I kind of walked off and I said, he said, mom, we didn't do my devotional. And I said, well, bud, do you want to just repeat the scriptures that you've been saying and just get them? He said, no. He said, I have to do that. I have to read my Bible before I go to bed. I have to have it. I can't sleep without it. I can't rest without it. He said, I have slept so well the last couple nights. He said, I have to read my Bible. I have to know what God is telling me. And that's what where we are right now is being able to separate from the moment and say in faith, I'm believing that what you said is true. And I'm going to hold on to that because your glory is going to be revealed in me. It's understanding. Do you understand who you are at this very moment in time? You can either live 2021 and do the same crap every day like you did last year and the year before last, expecting different results, or you can choose to make a change this year and separate from some things that have been holding you back from actually receiving the covenant blessings because you aren't in full covenant with God. It's obedience. It's obedience. And so today, number one, if you know that you need to ask Jesus Christ into your heart as your Savior, this is your opportunity right now. This is the moment. This is the moment right now. If you know that you, you aren't living right and you know you need to come in. See, because this isn't... You think that God, just because you know God, like I said, why would that scripture say having a form of godliness but denying its power? You have to really know him and love him and have him be right in here at the center of your very being to live for him. It's only through him. That's it. So if there's anyone in here, first of all, that knows that they need to ask Jesus Christ to be their personal savior, I'm going to ask that you raise your hand. This is nothing to be afraid of, nothing to be shy of. And let me tell you what, if you can't raise your hand in church, then you ain't going to be able to walk it out there. Anybody in this room that you know that you need to ask Jesus Christ into your heart personally as your Savior, raise your hand. Because guess what? We're all going to pray with you anyways. Don't miss your moment. Anybody in this room? The other thing I want to ask is if you know that there are things in your life that you haven't been obedient to, because you've allowed the promise to become an idol to you more than you've allowed God to be the glory to you over your life. If you know that, if you know there are things that are keeping you separated from God because you have made an idol out of things that you want to have fulfilled more than you have put God in your life, this is your moment. This is your time. I want you to raise your hand all around this place. If you know that you have put things in your life above God, not meaning to, not on purpose, but that they've just become more prominent, more of a purpose because you want to see that fulfilled so bad. What I'm going to ask for you to do, those of you that raise your hand, put both hands in the air because first of all, this means that I'm surrendering, that I can't hold on to it, that it's not in my control anymore. It's not mine anymore to hold. Not mine. And I want you to close your eyes for a minute and I want you to just focus on God for a second. And I want you to look deep down, deep down. Every little root of what's going on.
going on. God wants to untangle it. He wants to unwind it. He wants to take it out of your heart because God wants to begin to come in and consecrate you with his glory. God, I pray right now for every hand that is lifted in this room. God, that first of all, that a surrender would set so deep over them that God, they can feel nothing else but the weight of your presence. God, I pray that every idol that has been made, every idol that has been made out of the promises that you've given God that would be laid down. I pray that these open hands, they are a, a action of faith saying, God, I believe you and I trust you and I'm going to be obedient to follow you for your glory. I pray, God, that you would begin to open the mind and you would clear it out, God, and you would allow it to be able to see you more clearly. And God, that the mission of who you are and your presence would be so focused in their life. If you feel that right now, I'm gonna ask that you come to these altars and seek his face. If you believe that, that God is doing something, as you've got hands, that you move, the altars are open, they're ready for you. God wants to begin to move heavily over your life. He's gonna break some